Welcome back to another episode of the Creekside Podcast. Tune in each week with Drew and James to hear a relevant conversation about a biblical topic. Thanks for joining. Hey everyone, I'm James. And I'm Drew. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. We just went through uh, the sixth one. Today we're on number seven. Uh, If you've not had time to go back or you haven't taken the time to go back and watch the other uh, videos or listen to the other podcasts uh, on the Ten Commandments, I highly encourage you to do that. Um, I know that sometimes when we think about the Ten Commandments, we we think about the the Prince of of Egypt or we think about, you know, just uh, Sunday school lessons and stuff. Well, I don't think he actually got to that part in the Prince of Egypt. I don't know, yeah. Anyways, yeah, we think of the, it was the Ten Commandments, the old movie. You know, yes. that's the kind of stuff I think about yeah. anyways. So we're kind of like busting that, in my opinion. I think there's so, so much more involved in the Ten Commandments than what it was just surface level talk uh, sometimes. So anyways, I'm excited about it. I, th- I hope everybody else is excited about it. Yes. Uh, the Seventh Commandment is what we're on. Um, and again, this is the second commandment or the third commandment in the second table of the law so this is dealing with specifically our relationship to our fellow human beings uh, our fellow christian our fellow man and so the seventh commandment teaches us uh, that we should not commit adultery and uh, adultery being the unlawful or uh, you know wrong sexual relationship of a in a, in, a, in a marriage that violates a marriage covenant. Um, there's, a, there's a different word for um, other kinds of sexual sin, and this encompasses that, but it's specifically dealing with um, that violation of, of a marriage covenant. Um, adultery is having someone else's, um, having someone else's spouse. And so um, it, this, this commandment breaks several commandments at once. Um, we just talked about murder last week. You know, if, um, if an individual is married and someone's having an adulterous affair um, with that individual, they likely don't like the spouse of that individual, in which case they're guilty of murder, uh, and they're also taking something that's not theirs, in which case they're guilty of stealing, <laughs> and they're also desiring something that doesn't belong to them, so they're also covetous. You know, wow. So there's all of this wrapped up in, um, in the idea of adultery, and so we want to be just crystal clear about this. Um, Sexual sin is a a vile, vile kind of sin, um, and it's the most prominent kind of sin that I think we when we think what, that we think of when we think of sexual sin, or we think of sin in general. I, uh, I before we do communion here on Sundays, um, I always make some kind of remark to the to the extent of if you are in a pattern of habitual unrepentant sin, if you are living in a lifestyle of sin then communion is not something you should receive if you're walking in a manner that's unworthy of the gospel. Uh, and I make some remark like that each week just to invite people to examine their own hearts. And I had a member come up to me one time and say, hey, when you say that, um, I think everybody thinks about sexual sin. And I was like, you're probably right. That's probably is what everybody thinks about. Um, but he said, but there's other there's other sins. It's like you know, anger or greed or um, you know, being covetous or being prideful, like those are also sins mm-hmm. we need to examine our hearts for. And I was like, you're exactly right, because I think sometimes we can think, well, hey, I'm, uh, I'm not doing any kind of like blatant sexual sin, and so I must be good. But I, I hate that guy over there, you know, and I, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm greedy and I'm not honest. But at least I haven't committed any sexual sin. Yeah. Uh, and so we want to be, we want to be careful um, before we draw the lines 
um, in places they don't need to be drawn and just assume that we are good just because we haven't committed the, this particular act. Because um, what we're going to see is that all people are sexual sinners. Um, there's not a single person, a single adult that's alive that is free from sexual sin, uh, regardless of your marital status, regardless of, of uh, any anything else in your in your mind or in your in your life, what you have or haven't done, um, there is sexual sin in your heart um, that that you need to be mindful of. We need to we need to be be careful about. Um, and and so, sex is one of God's greatest gifts to His people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, creating Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Um, telling them to fill the earth and to subdue it, like sex was a part of God's good plan in marriage between a lifelong covenant between a man and a woman. Like that's God's good design. Anything sex in any other context is destructive uh, and is not uh, not you know commanded by the Bible, not allowable according to the Scripture. So I'm going to be crystal clear about that. That means whether you are um, whether you are uh, Unmarried, you know, like there's two parties that are unmarried, uh, whether that's uh, between something that's not a husband and not a wife, you know, um, but whether that's between something that's not a man and not a woman like this is this this command um, cuts clearly through through all those different things. So there's only one category in which sex is to be maintained and which sex is to be enjoyed. And that's between a husband and a wife, one man and one woman in the covenant of marriage. So it's not just, hey, I've got a, I've got a man and I've got a woman, and we're over here, um, you know, in a private kind of a kind of marriage. Through it, it's not really public. No, the Bible's, I think, pretty clear that it's a, uh, the marriage is a, is a covenant with with one another, and that you make that make that covenant public. That it's not a, a hidden or a private thing that other people know um, that you belong to someone else. And so in our culture, you know, we wear. Wedding rings, yeah. uh, we you know we, we, we make that we the the wife often takes the husband's last name, and I think that's a good sign of uh, of of hey I belong to this 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 other person and, and they belong to me and vice versa. So um, that that's an important thing to uh, to be crystal clear on the the attack on marriage in our culture. I think is a subtle way in which we want to undermine the obedience of this commandment, and mm-hmm. so um, the, the, just the rampant nature of divorce in our culture, we shouldn't be surprised that there's so much adultery and so much fornication because there is, there's just so much divorce. Um, to, be, to be fair, um, the Bible does teach that there are instances where uh, divorce is permitted. Right. Um, if there is infidelity, uh, if there's infidelity, then Jesus says that there is there's cause for, for divorce. That's the only reason for which a a husband and a wife should seek to be um, separated from from one another. And again, we want to rush to exceptions to the rule and not to not to the rule itself. But just to be um, just to be crystal clear, the reason Jesus makes that concession, one of the reasons, is because it's a breaking of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. You know, very very clearly, you shall not commit adultery. If you breaking this covenant, um, it also in, involves you breaking uh, this this commandment, which is about your covenant with God. It's also going to be breaking that commandment, which is a covenant with your spouse. So, yeah. um, keeping all those things in mind, I want to look at what the Catechism has to say here. The seventh commandment, question one hundred and eight: What does the seventh commandment teach us? That all unchastity is accursed of God, and that we should therefore loathe it from the heart and live chastely and modestly, whether in holy wedlock or single life. Um, he gives he gives two ways that people might live, and might live in a way that is um, what did he say? Chaste and modest, in holy wedlock or single life. So if you're going to keep this command, it means you are either going to live your life as a 
married person devoted to your spouse or as a single person devoted to the Lord. And those are those are the only two options. There's no third way. There's no third option. Uh, and those two words, chastely and modestly, um, that modesty is a is a good thing. That uh, the the culture in which we live in is so um, hypersexualized. You know um, that there's there. You know from from advertising to entertainment to you 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 name it, you pick it. Like it is the culture is so hypersexualized uh, that you almost can't even like drive down the interstate or right. walk through the mall, you know, uh, without having, no one walks through malls anymore. <laughs> uh, get on the internet, you know, and shop on Amazon without having some kind yeah. of, uh, some okay. kind of I- image pop into, uh, pop into your, your eyesight. And so, um, keep, keeping those things in mind, um, it's so important that we seek and desire not just to be neutral when it comes to the things of the culture, but to seek to live, um, modestly and chastely to just to pursue purity rather than to pursue um, those other kind of things, and that's going to mean at times looking unpopular. Yeah. It's going to mean dressing less popularly. It's going to mean you know um, taking care to uh, to put certain guards and certain protections uh, and provisions up in in uh, in maintaining uh, maintaining this cause to be free from the sin of. Adultery. You got thoughts or comments so far? Yeah. So my wife and I right now are reading through the John Piper book, A Momentary Marriage, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's very good. And uh, one of the things that he points out in there is that marriage is an example of our covenant with God. That's great. Yeah. And so when we, I think, if you look at all of the t- the commandments so so far that we've looked at, um, one of the one of the themes that we see is that. By following that commandment, we're actually giving glory to God right. and sharing gospel with those around us because they see that we're keeping those commandments. Yeah. And I think adult, do not commit adultery lines right up with that as well, mm-hmm. that when we are married and we show that covenant uh, with our wife, we're an example now to the world of what our relationship with Christ should be. Yeah. So when we, when we defile that covenant, we are telling the world that we can defile a covenant with God. Yeah, and so, good. yeah. Yeah, so one of the one of the things that should be, um, you know, cared for and maintained in our Christian life is a Christian marriage. Yeah. That it's not just, um, it's not we put a priority on marriage because that's that's one of the major, uh, major aspects of our Christian life. Uh, one of the ways it is exemplified. And so, uh, if you call yourself a Christian but you don't have, you don't pursue chastity, you don't pursue modesty, you don't pursue purity in your own marriage, you don't protect your own marriage. Well. Um, I, I wonder. I wonder what kind of Christian you 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 try to be. I wonder what kind of relationship with God you really yeah. try to pursue. So, kind of intimacy, communion with God, um, you're really after. And so, um, this is this is wrapped up in all of that. Um, question one hundred nine, following right after one hundred eight. Does God in this commandment forbid nothing more than adultery and such like gross sins? And the answer: Since our body and soul are both temples of the Holy Ghost. It is his will that we keep both pure and holy, for which reason he forbids all unchaste actions, gestures, words, thoughts, desires, and whatever may entice thereto. Hmm. And so, like, this is the idea of temptation. Um, and I think that's, that's super, super helpful for us. So, again, just like the command with murder, our temptation is to say, okay, I have never been unfaithful right. to my spouse, right? I've never been in an adulterous relationship, right. and so I'm clean, and I'm, I'm good. Um, and what we were reminded of what Jesus says, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, um, just such a great—Jesus doesn't give really an exposition of all Ten Commandments, but he hits on several of them here, uh, and he hits on the command of lust, um, 
Matthew 5, 27. Uh, command against lust, excuse me, not the command of lust. That sounded wrong when I said it. Uh, command against <laughs> lust, uh, Matthew five twenty seven. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And these great words here, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Um, that that's, that sounds so extreme, um, and I think I don't think that Jesus is, um, is speaking... Um, like literally here, you know, I think this is a metaphor, okay? Uh, I said metaphor. I'm from metaphor. East Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> metaphor. Um, the uh, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, it's better that you lose one of your members and your whole body be thrown into hell. So what Jesus is saying there is, okay, there's lust in my heart. Um, I, I have I have committed adultery in my heart, and so let me, let me pluck out my eye. And if I pluck out my eye, that shows that I really am remorseful for uh, committing adultery in my heart. Well, actually... Even if you do pluck out your eye, you can still continue to commit adultery in your heart, right? Yeah. You would need to pluck out your heart if you were gonna if you were <laughs> going to stop from committing adultery in your heart. Same thing if your right hand causes you to sin. Well, you can still sin with your left hand. You yeah. know? So what Jesus is saying here is not a literal function. Um, it's a it's a metaphor, and it's a metaphor for being ruthless and relentless with getting rid of temptation to sin. Yeah. Uh, getting rid of temptation, things that might entice you to sin. So and I think that our our desire as as Christians, even as people who really love God, is that we think, I know that I shouldn't, um, I shouldn't commit adultery, but should I, can I not get a little bit closer than I am? Yeah. You know, can can I not? Um, I know I I shouldn't. You know, watch pornography. I know I shouldn't. Um, you know, be involved in these kinds of other like lustful TV shows or places mm-hmm. where people don't dress modestly or whatever it might be. But does that mean that I can't do this? And we we so often so often justify in our own hearts um, and try to inch closer and closer and closer to um, what God has forbidden. I know I'm not supposed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but can't I just touch the fruit that's on the tree? Because that's not really eating it. That's just and you know we and we see that example there. And I, it's so funny because we often say, why did Adam and Eve even get close to the tree if they knew they weren't supposed to eat it? Well, because we love to get close to sin. Like we yeah. love to get close to that line without crossing it. And so. There's a difference between, like, let's just be very clear. There's a, dis- a difference between actually committing adultery and having lust in your heart. There, those, those are different degrees of sin, right? One is private between, you know, one, you know, one particular individual private that happens in his heart. One is public that it involves, you know, uh, un- unspeakable acts with another human being, right? So those are two different or or, or degrees of sin. What Jesus is saying here is not that there aren't different degrees of sin. And I know I know that might not be a, a popular way to think about it, but I think that's I think that's what the scripture teaches. There are lighter and there are weightier matters of the law. Right. And so adultery is a weightier matter of the law. It would be crystal clear about that. And lust is still 100% sin, but it and it is sin of the same kind, but it is sin of a different intensity or variety. Okay? So like it is um, lust is is the root or the, the yeah the root of the of the fruit of adultery and so right. we want to be di- we want to be careful to distinguish between um, those two things um, Jesus wants to make it clear that everybody who has ever lived is a sexual sinner and is guilty of the sin of adultery that doesn't mean that every person who is guilty of sexual sin is an adulterer 
and therefore their their spouse should divorce them, right? Mm, if right. this was the case, none of us should ever stay married. We would all have reason for divorce if this is what Jesus is saying, is that everyone is always everywhere an adulterer. Then just don't get married because there's no sense in which you can keep the covenant. Right. What Jesus is talking about here is, yes, Exodus 20 says you should uh, refrain from adultery. What he has here is a number of people who think, hey, I have followed this commandment perfectly, and so I don't need God's grace. I don't need um, to repent of the sin. What Jesus is saying, no, maybe you haven't actually committed adultery, but there is adultery in your heart, and that's still sin, even though if it's not an outward physical manifestation of that sin. And so um, what the Pharisees had done is, no, they hadn't committed adultery, but they also hadn't guarded against sexual sin or sexual temptation. So the catechism here is helpful um, in that it says we are to be pure and holy and that he forbids, God forbids, all unchaste actions, gestures, words, thoughts, desires, and whatever may entice thereto. That means temptations, that we are to be vigilant and not just you know, plucking out our eyes and our actions and our gestures in our words, thoughts, and desires, but also those things which might entice us yeah. to do them. So um, it's not just, hey, I don't look at inappropriate content on my phone. Mm-hmm. It's also, I there are certain times where I don't even use my phone because I might be tempted to look at inappropriate content. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we often use the uh, the terminology of the Billy Graham rule. That's a pretty common uh, moniker in our um, in our uh, culture uh, that, you know, not to be alone with someone of, the opposite sex who's not your spouse. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's been all kinds, you know, the Billy Graham rule is not in the Bible, you know, right. it's it's something that's developed by, by, by an individual, but it is in the spirit of what the Heidelberg Catechism says here, that it does eliminate uh, that which might entice someone to commit uh, a sexual sin, or that might begin to be the seed of some kind of sexual thought or sexual desire, to be ruthless in casting all of these things out. Yeah. Uh, and there's got to be wisdom in which uh, wisdom in the, in the ways in which we apply this. Um, you know, uh, the, the monasteries didn't eliminate sin for the monks, you know? Right. It just made, it made sin uh, a different kind of way. So the, the, the desire and the intention here is not, hey, go lock yourself in a room and never talk to another human being and never look at another person. No, we're, we're all going to have to deal and struggle through sin, but we need to be ruthless in the way in which we seek to cast out sin um, from within our own members to see that the seventh commandment forbids us from sexual impurity. Uh, that, and that if Christ has... Um, forgiven us, that we should desire that, and we should want that. We should pray that our hearts would desire that. Um, and also that temptation comes both from within and from without, um, mm-hmm. that there's external temptations to sin and that there's internal temptations to sin. And I think sometimes we can be really good at distancing ourselves from those external temptations, but we subtly coddle those internal temptations to sin. You know, we're not as ruthless as casting those out because sometimes we like being tempted. We mm-hmm. like we like the uh, the appeal or the effect of what it might feel like to to sin um, in, in these kinds of ways. And the the temptation to sin is real because sin is is pleasurable to our uh, our human faculties. You know, to yeah. it's who are to our sinful our fleshly desires. But we are not to live of the flesh. We are to live of the spirit and have the mind uh, and have the mind of Christ. And so um, that means putting sin to death in in our members. And the Bible is just so crystal clear on this point. Um, Any time that adultery uh, is is committed, it's always uh, it's always ruin that follows. It's never yeah. it's never positive things that follow. Um, it's always um, difficulty and division and strife and discord. And so seeing that for what it is, seeing that very clearly that the the fruit is, you know, it might be appealing to our look and to our touch, but it's poisoned 
Um, and so we need to be we need to be mindful of that. You got any thoughts on this? Yeah. So I was actually doing a study of um, Adam and Eve in the garden in the in Genesis at the beginning, um, and one of the things that we talked about in that study was that they had all these other fruit trees, right? right. All this other stuff that they could eat from. It was that one that they were told not to eat from. Um, and I think that marriage is the same way, right? Yeah. We have our wives, and we have uh, they have us, and, and there's all these possibilities and things that we can do that God has gifted us with um, sexually. But for some reason, we're drawn. We get near to that sin. We get right. near to that tree. And so I think shifting a perspective maybe from um, a, a fleshly perspective of, um, you know, I care more about pleasure than I do about the gift. Yeah. Uh, and so seeing all those other trees and forgetting about the one uh, is kind of my mentality after talking to this guy. Uh, we were having that study. I thought that was really neat. And it applies to all sin. Sure. Yeah, that's a good thought. And I mean, just want to say, like, there is no one who is not a sexual sinner. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we need to, that's, that's Jesus' desire here in Matthew 5, is not to say adulterers over here, non-adulterers over here. Now, you guys aren't as bad as you guys. No, he's saying all of you guys need forgiveness. All of you guys need the grace of God. All of you all need to put your faith in me uh, because you're all guilty of sexual sin. And so mm-hmm. um, wherever you are, um, if you think that you're not guilty of sexual sin, you are. And since we're now, since we're all on the same plane, mm-hmm. um, Jesus died to forgive sinners from sexual sin it is not the unforgivable sin it is it's a sin that has um the capacity and the intensity to harm people in deep Mm -hmm. deep ways um but it is not the sin that is unforgivable that christ died um to forgive uh people of of the sin just last week uh here here at church we're preaching on a luke chapter 7 um the end of the end of chapter 7 there's a sinful woman who comes in to anoint the feet of jesus at the home of, of the pharisee and uh Jesus forgives the woman's sin right there, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. it's not clear from the text that this woman was a sexual sinner, but that's kind of the the, the context running. It le- leads us to believe this woman kind of had a reputation, uh, a reputation of sin in the town, and Jesus looks at her and says, "You're forgiven. Go in peace." Yeah. And so, um, if you're if you are burdened down or weighed down by the guilt of your sexual sin, like Jesus died on the cross to forgive sinners of sexual sin, that they not they have to live. Um, under that shame anymore, they might walk in in freedom and walk in the light. Right. But there is a, a way in which God has commanded us to walk in the light, and it is either in faithfulness to our spouse. You know, so if you're a man, that's faithfulness to your spouse who is a woman. If you're a woman, that's faithfulness in your spouse who is a man, or in singleness devoted to the Lord. Um, yeah. And I and I, I, I want to speak to that just for a second because um, I, I think that sometimes the uh, we have we have sat idly by and forgotten about the the difficulty of what it is to be a single person in many uh, yeah. many cultures in our world um, that you know whenever everybody else has a has a spouse and has children and are concerned with those things that sometimes people who are single either they had been married and uh, their their spouse might have passed away or there might have been uh, a divorce that happened or um, a young person who hasn't been married yet hasn't um, hasn't found the right person you know uh, that that kind of thing um, if you're married don't don't forget those people in your church um, they they are uh, if they're seeking to live a life faithful to faithful to Christ that the devil wants to discourage them and uh, and to tear them down and to and to draw them uh, away from God, but you, we have an obligation, an opportunity to remind our our single brothers and sisters in Christ how good it is to follow the Lord Jesus. And um, the thing that makes us in com- the things that we have in common is not that we are 
we are married or that we have families or that we have children, but that we have Christ. And mm-hmm. so just making that a, a, a reminder um, to, to you, if you're, if you're married, um, how might you serve a single brother or sister in your life um, and, and help them in their, uh, in their journey and their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ um, that they, they might not have the, um, the, the closeness and the intimacy of a spouse, um, but they can have the nearness of the family of God uh, in the church. And so, and that's where, those of us who are married uh, need to be very, very mindful and take practical steps to include them into our lives. Um, that they not feel um, that they not feel as if there's uh, something missing in their own life and in their own right. life, walk with Christ because there isn't because Christ is sufficient. Yeah. So, just want to kind of end on that on on that word there. Um, that, that that's an important part of important part of pursuing purity together as the body of Christ. Absolutely, yeah. Encouraging one another and coming together. That's, that's right. what we're here for. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's great. Any final thoughts? Up? I think that was your final thought. I think that was my final your, thought. All right, perfect. I want to. I, I want to know though. We we've been we had some Chick Fil A this morning before yeah. we started, and we had a um, we had a we had a Cloudberry Sunjoy, um, and I even feel funny just saying that. But like, what were your thoughts on on that? I feel like I'm drink? in a cloud with berries, and it's so sunny and joyful, <laughs> which is where it got its name. Yeah, it's got a really. It's kind of like, kind of like, kind of tastes like a Capri Sun. A little, a little bit. Yeah, but with pulp. There, yeah, there's a little bit. Yeah, there is a little bit of like that fruit uh, in there. It's, it's it, yeah. ta- it tastes real. Like it, doesn't it does taste, taste real. fake. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not stuff, just powder. It's not just powder or from a concentrate or something. Yeah, well, so. it's from Chick Fil A, so you know the Lord has blessed it. It's. I think that's right. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I I commend it to you if you're yeah. you at home uh, if you you know. Need it. if it's it's summer when we're doing this right, right. now. So if you're hot, you know, it's very good. Grab a grab a lemonade. Uh, grab a grab a cloudberry. Did you know they have like a lemonade milkshake? No, they don't. They do seriously. Yeah, it's not great. Is it not? But I didn't. I didn't enjoy it. But well, yeah, yeah. It, I got one. So well, there, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll sponsor this podcast. What do you think? It. I, I doubt, doubt it too. Yeah. But anyway, if we just I was just wanted to get James' thoughts on on his on his drink here. So. Yeah. That's going to be the 11th commandment. I hope not. No? Okay. No. There's 10 there's, and they're there commandments. There's 10 and there are commandments. All right. There's 10 of them. <laughs> there's there's 10. not 11. 10 and they're commandments. And they're commandments. So. Awesome. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on the Creekside Podcast. Podcast.